welcome to the HorrorCon Lounge. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jeremy. And today we will be doing our listener recommendation episodes. The first one, we started to get some more listener recommendations in, so I think we might continue this if we keep getting recommendations. Yeah, not immediately, but I definitely think it's something down the road that we would revisit again. Yes, absolutely. We've got a lot of things on our plate, but Mm -hmm. it's something we do value your recommendations, so keep sending them in. Mm Mm-hmm. The first one up today, Jeremy, would you like to kick us off? Sure. We watched The Guest. This came out in 2014, and it's only available to rent, unfortunately. It is an action mystery, and then it has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, It had a budget of $5 million, and its widest release was only in 53 theaters. Wow. Do you want to guess how much it brought in? Not much. Three hundred thousand. At three hundred and thirty-two thousand after six weeks, um, and then it earned two point seven million worldwide. Oh, okay. Um, but still, still not great. It was directed by Adam Wingard, who also directed Death Note. I watched that a couple months ago, and I was messaging you about that. That was I pretty good. Seen that one? No, I I know you haven't. That's um, and it was filmed in New Mexico. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this came to us also from Noah, right? Yes. I guess if it's a listener recommendation episode, we should say who recommended it. Yeah, we should mention who brought (laughs) it to our attention. Yeah. Yes. Noah recommended this one. We love him. Um, What's his last name? Fleck. Fleck. Yeah. Okay. So Noah Fleck. Sorry, (laughs) Noah. Sorry, Noah. I'm not looking at your name online. I'm going off memory. But this one was, it was interesting. You start off, you've got some kind of military person that's running down a road. Um, you don't really know a whole lot about him other than he's just running. He shows up at this house. To the Peterson family home. There you go. And he claims to have been friend, best friends with their deceased son. And he says that he came with a message that his son wanted them to know that he loved them very much. Um, the mother instantly falls in love with him and offers him a place to stay. Which is a little weird to me i remember commenting on that to you like yeah she immediately welcomes them into their home and you know the other people in the family are a little bit skeptical but he kind of woos them over one by yeah, one yeah I'd say. um it was odd because she doesn't really know this guy he's very polite very very mannerly. charming yes good looking young man very good looking and you know, she just instantly falls in love with him. And then it's nothing to do with his looks. It's the appeal of learning more about her son that they're still mourning over. Right. Is the impression that I get. The dad is not at all okay with this at first. And then he has a few beers with him. And next thing you know, they're chatting, talking up all night, watching football, hanging out, shooting the shit. And they fall in love with each other. You touched on it. But then the daughter, who's also very skeptical, talks to him gets to know him he goes to a party with her looks out for her like a big brother she falls in love with him and the son i think it's initially like doing math homework together yeah um but again talks to him takes a liking to him and the entire family just becomes slowly becomes obsessed with him yes um the shower scene between dan stevens and micah monroe like hot 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 i loved that that was one of my favorite scenes because dan is so well he was able to show off his body which he's look i'm comfortable in my masculinity the guy had a great looking body yeah and she 
Micah's hot, too. She's a very beautiful young woman, I agree. Yeah. Which is why it's weird that the mom was so okay just letting this total stranger in the house. That would be one of my first thoughts as a parent. Like, I have other children. More importantly, I have an adult daughter. Yeah. They, they make her out to be like she's in high school. She, no, they, she's nineteen twenty. Okay, I was going to say, she's right on the scene, cusp. There's a scene when her dad is drinking and she says to him, oh, can I have one? And he says, wait, you can wait until you turn 21. Yeah, in a that's right. In a couple something. of weeks. Yeah, you're right. But I didn't catch, catch. I didn't catch that at first because I remember questioning at the end. And you're like, oh, I think, I don't know. So then I kind of went back and hmm. yeah, she, you're right. She double was checked. Um, and when he, the younger son that is currently living in the house, he gets bullied at school a lot. And so David um, follows his bullies to a bar with him. The younger son is there as well, but they go into the bar and he sees two cute girls with the guys that were bullying the son. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the bartender and orders them to blow do- blowjob shots for the girls. And the bartender is like, don't you want to order something for the guys that are with them? And he's like, nah. And the bartender's like, I really think you should. And he's like, okay, I'll take two Cosmopolitans. Mm-hmm. And so the guys, of Which course, the bartender are, encourages is a bad idea. Oh, and yeah, for sure. The bartender's like, well, I was thinking beer. And he's like, no, 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 Cosmos. He's like, no, I want those Cosmopolitans. Um, you know, David is, like we said, the main character. He actually ordered, like... A really weird drink. It was Tabasco sauce. It was and like a fireball, but oh, not the fireball not that a, we like, know. Not a fireball whiskey. It was like Tabasco sauce and like cinnamon schnapps and tomato juice. I think some. It was something like mm-hmm. disgusting and like Tabasco sauce. Yuck. So yeah, but there. He not only ordered it for himself to drink, but I think he was planning expecting. Ahead. Let's see yeah, where the riot at. to. So pers- these to guys, ensue. when they get their cosmos, come over and they're basically like, "What the heck is this?" They say it a lot differently than that, but yeah. they throw it onto... They throw it in his face. David, yeah. And then so he fires back and throws his drink in their face. And of course, it has Tabasco sauce in it. Mm-hmm. So... Burns like hell. Burns, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that. He basically wanna... he beats the shit out of the guys, essentially. He threatens the bar owner because he came in... He doesn't have ID, and the bar owner asks him and his younger brother, well, not his younger brother, but the younger brother in the family, that he's playing the role of big brother to, for ID, and David is kind of like, did you ask those high schoolers over there for their ID? And he's an intimidating, I guess we didn't cover that, but he's got a very intimidating look to him. Yeah. He's not an asshole in his demeanor. He's very polite and friendly. But he's definitely got a presence to him that you don't want to fuck with him. As a lot of military people typically do, I think. Yeah. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's just kind of you go through a routine every day and you have to have this toughness to you. Right. And I think you walk with that for the rest of your life without realizing it. So once we get past the bar scene, I think that's when he goes to the party with the daughter and he actually hooks up with a high school girl, <laughs> I think. Again, I don't know. They're, they're very vague on ages here. I'm assuming she was at least 18. We can only hope. Yeah. She was tiny as a twig. Like, an attractive girl. She's, we later find out, she works with the sister mm-hmm. at the same restaurant. 
So that is their relationship with each other. The sister's dating a narcissistic loser of a male. Douchebag. Yeah, he's got a criminal past. Shady character. There you go. Shady character, shady past. The father, we find out, definitely doesn't like this guy. This that was kind of when she saw David get out of the shower as well. So yeah, because she's actually hiding the fact that she's still dating this guy. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Craig. And of course, David is like, "It's cool. Your secret's safe with me." They bond almost to the point where you kind of wonder if something's going to happen between them. Absolutely, I kind of did anyway. Oh no, one hundred percent. They talk about music, which the soundtrack in this movie I thought was excellent. I know we haven't touched on that yet, but you hear a lot of different psychedelic rock, hip-hop type music all throughout the movie. Um, And David is like, I've never heard this before, but I really enjoy the music. And I didn't get the sense that he was just saying that to make conversation. As you watch him and see him kind of experience the sound, it, it definitely looks like he is taking it in and enjoying it. So he asks her to burn... A CD. Old-fashioned. She probably pulled up her lime wire and uh, <laughs> burned him a CD. Yeah. Who Quite knows? possibly. So knows? they bond. And then... Trying to think... We might be... The sequence of events might be a bit out of order here. But he starts teaching the younger brother self-defense teaching him to kind of stand up for himself and not be bullied. But around here somewhere is when the sister becomes a little bit skeptical. She catches David on a phone call, which he had said earlier in the movie that he didn't have a cell phone, but he's talking on a cell phone. Yeah, because a couple people have so far died suspiciously. So I think she's oh, starting to put... Yeah, David buys some weapons from Ethan Embry, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he doesn't buy them. He well, takes yeah, them he because takes he them. kills people. Yes. So that's... And, and the then sister knows those people. They but frame her boyfriend. He, he had met them at the party. Mm-hmm. That was the significance of the party. He, yeah. He found out where to get weapons from. Yep. And then things go pretty chaotic from there. After the sister catches David on his cell phone, she becomes suspicious. She puts in a call to the military base. They say that he has died. However, you can see on the other end of the call... They're freaking the fuck out. (laughs) ...that a message has basically come up that says something to the extent of David is here and we need to do something immediately. Yeah. So they, they freak out. Yeah. you automatically know that something's going on Not here. Good. What you, I think, I guess we can get into it at the end. Um, so now we know that David is kind of, we don't know what he is at this point. You, you have the suspicion that he's a bad person or went to this family did he have revenge on his mind did he have yeah i thought he was kind of showing up there that like him and the original son had like the son that had passed away i should say had like a rocky relationship and he's coming and being like oh i was friends with your son but he was like coming to fucking murder the family but that's not the case no it's not at all the case and i think the only reason he actually ended up there is when she took a screenshot of his cell phone they came across a plastic surgeon in florida 
who basically redesigns humans. So I think he made him look like the friend, and that was his way to try and talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Just kind of piecing that together. We get to a point where everybody's suspicious. The daughter's suspicious. She's trying to tell the mom. I don't think she's ever actually able to tell her because the dad comes home. Somebody randomly died. We didn't see that. We just hear about it. So the dad gets a promotion. The dad's boss died. Correct. The dad gets a promotion. um, So he's happy to share that news. But the thing is, prior to this, the dad was complaining about the other guy getting the promotion and then he died and so then he got forcefully promoted because he was taken out of the picture right he just kind of inherited the spot by default right the sister brought up the accusations at this point around the whole family Mm -hmm. maybe the younger brother wasn't there but at least the mom and the dad are david shows his dog tags but he says he doesn't have an id the dad tells her to go to her room, whatever the case may be. David follows her into her room. And at this point, you think he's going to confront her, but he doesn't. He just kind of says, I'm only going to be here for a couple more days, and I'll be out of your hair. So it's almost like he's sympathetic. But also, again, you wonder, like, what is his ultimate motive? At this point, the military base is going into action they're trying to get like this emergency squat team to this tiny little town to take out david yeah i think at the the next point the younger brother defends himself in school after being called a faggot and they're going to expel him and david has probably one of the best and funniest scenes of the movie when he basically calls the principal out for allowing a kid to conduct a hate crime on a gay kid and the principal changes his tune about the expulsion my favorite part of the scene was david asked you know the younger kid like what did you what did you do what happened what's going on and he says this kid called me a faggot so i broke a yardstick on his face yeah <laughs> so after david um insists that the family go the family is going to sue the school for a hate crime the principal is like i didn't even know he was gay (laughs) it's just a month of after school detention and he's like okay good and the principal's like who are you by the way And he's like i'm a friend of the family and he's leaving he kind of winks at the brother and hey you know hey after school detention that's it yeah the david and mrs peterson go home They're doing laundry together, and then this is when kind of all hell breaks loose. Yes. David becomes Rambo, and (laughs) all by himself takes out 20 military officers. Think that many? 30, I don't know. There's quite a bit. Okay. He goes rogue and takes these guys out. He kills Mrs. Peterson. He apologizes before he does it. He, he said your son would want me to do this. Yeah. He kills Mr. Peterson on purpose. Yeah. Um, he flees to the restaurant where the girl is that he hooked up with at the party. He blows up the restaurant. 
and ultimately ends up at the school where he's trying to kill the brother and the sister. Yeah, okay, and they're setting up for, like, a like a Halloween event, mm-hmm. and this Halloween maze is, like, spooky, super spooky. As Halloween well. maze was impressive as hell. So, yeah, like, this is literally at a high school. Like, where did the high school get the budget for this freaking maze? Yeah, the like, maze holy was intense. Like, holy shit, I know. <laughs> um... <laughs> But I noticed in this part here, there were uh, major nods to Season of the Witch. Did you see that? No, I didn't. They had the three masks, like, lighting up, um, almost, like, projected on the wall. They had the skull, the witch, and the pumpkin. Oh, okay. It was, like, super... That was the first thing I was just like, oh, Season of the Witch. Like, And it was spot on. And you can also kind of tell, um, because Steve Moore, who composed the score for the movie, used the same type of synthesizers that John Carpenter and Alan... Howarth used for composing the score of Halloween Season of the Witch. Interesting, okay. Yep. Cool little note. Yep. Ultimately, the brother and sister defend themselves. They take out David after a bit of a drug-out ending. Um, you see them get out. The school is burning down as well. Somehow it caught on fire. But they're sitting in an ambulance, and basically they see David walk out of the building in a fireman suit. At the end, the firefighter comes out of the building and says there was two bodies found in the maze. And Which is the one lead detective and then, like, the principal coordinator guy. Yeah, like, the, the lead FBI um, and then the principal or teacher, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then there should be a third body in there, which should be... David's. David. Right. And so you immediately said, you're like, oh, there should be three. Yep. Um, and... So I knew he was going to walk out at that point. Yeah, so you does. see him walking out in that firefighter suit, um, and he looks over. And the sister catches, like, yes. they make eye contact. Yes, and then the movie ends. The movie goes to black. One thing you didn't like about this movie is you said it felt very long. It did feel very long, for sure. The original cut of this movie was over 20 minutes longer Wow. than the final theatrical cut. Can you imagine? No, I can't. <laughs> Because it was a decent movie, but in areas it just drug out. They had to develop David's character. They had to establish him as this nice, polite military man. Yeah. I understand all of that. It's after he... What I, what I don't like is they never explained why he picks this family. They never explained what his mission is. They never explained like anything about him. Because obviously it's a government experiment gone wrong in some way, shape, or form. Yes. That's, you know that, which is why they're trying to take him out so that he no longer is a threat to society. Yes. But what did they do? Like, what did they, what were the tests done on him? Why is he the way he is? Why does he kill random people? Because he doesn't choose who he wants to kill. He just kind of... Kills people that get in his way. It's almost like he has no control over it. It just is a different version of him, almost. And you wonder, too, if he's... I don't want to say if he's human, but he doesn't sleep very often. They definitely, like, make mention of that several times. And there's, like, a lot of close-up scenes where he literally just doesn't blink (laughs) ever. Yeah, he's just so zoned out that he's, like, locked in to whatever his focus is. Um... I thought the suspense in the movie was fantastic. Like, it's constant buildup of what's going to happen next. You never really get a 
good conclusion once you know the suspense buildup like reaches its highest reaches its peak i guess you could say but you have a lot of suspense you have great music throughout the film i thought um contrary to a lot of reviews online i actually thought the acting was pretty good i love david i love the girl who played the younger sister yeah i thought she did a great job um the the black lead fbi agent i feel like he was also in resident evil but i could be wrong he looked very familiar to me so he was in john wick and resident evil the tv series but i thought he did a good job as the you know lead good guy i just didn't like again the lack of explanation around a lot of the characters they didn't they they did a great job of developing david's character but really they didn't focus on anybody else in the movie I like the relationships that they developed with each of the family members as well. So, I mean, overall for me, I'd give it maybe 6 out of 10. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I was thinking 6 out of 10 too. Not bad, um not great, not terrible. So, my issue and not issue, but my feeling about the movie is more so to me it wasn't really a horror movie. So, if you not at all. this is something I would recommend to my dad. I think my dad would really like this as like the actiony type mm-hmm. vibe, like the pretty much action, I guess is the right word. I said Rambo, like first blood mm-hmm. i I think they did a better job of making Rambo intimidating with secondhand stories, bringing in Rambo's leader and saying that this guy would do anything to survive. He'll eat things that'll make a bully puke, David. They don't ever give you a backstory to go to. Yeah. So once he wipes out like half a town with no issue whatsoever, it's like, how is this guy doing this? Why is this guy doing this? And is he really this indestructible human being? Because I don't think he should be. Yeah. I mean, overall, though, I did really enjoy it. Just not something I'd put on if I was in the mood for a horror movie, if I was looking for an actiony type mm-hmm. movie. That's when I would turn to this one. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I'd recommend it at least to watch, you know, once. Give it a shot for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a terrible movie by any stretch. Maybe a little long. That would be definitely a complaint. But right. overall, pretty good. Pretty suspenseful. And a good job of, you know, keeping you involved in the movie and what's going on. Yep. So tell us what is up next. Movie number two was... The Devil's Carnival. This came out in 2012 and is currently streaming on Tubi. It was filmed in seven days with a budget of $500,000. That makes sense. Who was this recommended to us by? Our friend Jess. Jess Phelps. She's married now, so she's got a name that's like 27 letters long. Yes. Um, So I don't want to pronounce it, but... Got it, got it. Jess. She knows who she is. Well, our viewers don't. Uh, So, before we get into it, you want to hear something crazy? Sure. Do you want to tell us if you liked this movie or didn't, or do you want to give us any initial thoughts? Or do you just want me to take the lead and tell you something crazy? We can talk about it during our reviews. Okay. I actually went back and watched this movie a second time. (laughs) I'm sorry. From start to finish. I'm sorry. And there was a post-credit scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't even see everything. So quick to turn it off. Um, 
to start, like, I really like the aesthetic of this movie, and I thought the makeup was super, super good. The effects were awesome. My only issue, and it's something similar that I had just said with the guest, this is a musical, which I did know going into. I would like to watch this if I am in the mood to watch a musical. If I'm looking for a horror movie, this is not what I would put on, but... The movie basically opens kind of switching between three different people. It feels almost like anthology-esque. It does. It's not, but it's got that kind of a little bit, you know, interlocking stories. Yes. They all die and wake up in hell. They have to essentially relive the sins that brought them there. And I I would like to use the term sins lightly. Um, It's... A take on three different Aesop's fables, and then, you know, each of the three people represent a different story. Mm-hmm. So you have John, who is representing grief and his due, and then in life he commits suicide due to the loss of his son. Yep, he cuts his wrists. Yeah. You've got Miss Mary Wood, who represents the dog in its reflection, and in life she is a thief. She's also a thief in hell, but she dies after a shootout with the police, and then you've got Tamara... Um, or Tamara, I don't know how you say it, to be mm-hmm. honest, but um, she represents the scorpion and the frog and is killed by her angry boyfriend. So my biggest gripe is, like, how does she end up in hell for trying to escape an abusive relationship? Like, right. what the, what is that about? Her story was the one that confused me the most throughout the film. So, you know, they all essentially die in real life and then they end up in hell. The Ticketmaster announces what carnies will be in tonight's show. He picks the scorpion, the hobo clown, the painted doll, and the twin. What I didn't realize on first watch about the twin was it's actually like almost like a, he's like almost like a chameleon. He's a shapeshifter. So he takes the shape of some other people and things. Before entering the carnival, they go into a the whole thing is a musical number. There's almost no dialogue without music, essentially. I mean yeah, there is there very is, rarely. But very little, yeah. Um, So before entering the carnival, there's a nice little musical number called 666, and it talks about the 666 rules that they have. Some of the rules are visible. Did you catch any of them or no? No, I didn't. Do you want me to enlighten you on some of the 666 rules of this little carnival? Please do. I just think some of them are kind of like funny. Um, So a few of the rules are no refunds given at any time, Mm -hmm. no lip, backtalk, or sass to our dark lord. No hope or prayers that God will save you. (laughs) This one's my favorite. One of my favorites. No monkeys jumping on any beds. (laughs) Uh, No crying wolf, shark, or sasquatch. I do remember seeing that. No running, jumping, or cartwheels with scissors. Okay. And then the last one that's visible, to me at least, is no take backs. So... It goes to Tamara wandering in the back of the carnival and she finds the scorpion in a cage. The scorpion is actually, he's like a human, but he looks like he's not an actual scorpion. He was like an attractive young man. Yeah, except for his hair. Like, it's like, it looks like a freaking plastic black thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, whatever his hair, whatever's up with his hair is like kind of weird. Um, but... She frees him from the cage and he begins to flirt with her. Meanwhile, John finds himself, you know, going into the big top, like the big tent. He is harassed by the Wick, who is played by um, Alexa Penavega. She was in Spy Kids. 
okay. the girl and spy kids. Um, and then she's got like her little minions with her. Uh, they vanish suddenly, but then John sees the paint doll in a kissing booth. She's offering uh, John to give his son's location to him in exchange for a kiss. Mm-hmm. So finally he agrees. And then when he leans in for the kiss, she bites off his ear, which spontaneously reappears. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, John's son, Daniel, meets Lucifer, who begins reading him these three fables. And you, you do see it as the Book of Aesop's fables. Yep. Uh, Miss Merriweather follows a little brochure into a dark tent with the intent of finding a large diamond. So this is where the twin comes into it. And he has the diamond and promises it to her if she wins his game. Um, And then that's where he morphs into her. Uh, Mary Wood, she doesn't recognize her own reflection and she loses the game. She is then stripped naked and whipped in front of all the carnies. Not naked. I think she has her panties on. She has her panties on. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you paid attention enough to that scene to know she was still wearing her panties. Yep. Sure did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she looked good. She did look good. You didn't get to see her from the front, though. You always saw, you saw got her from a little behind. side boob. No, yeah. like full frontal nudity, but yeah. you, you saw it. Like there's one part where she like turned, and you saw a little side action there. She had a rocking booty, and she looked good from behind. That's all I know. <laughs> and, well, and she had a pretty face. You saw that while God, she was throwing her. Yeah. Uh, Lucifer <laughs> begins reading Daniel another fable, and. Tamara is continually wooed over by the scorpion and she follows him into a dark tent where a knife throwing wheel has been set up and we find out like he is you know the knife thrower so she though before anything happens she finds him and the painted doll from earlier kissing she's embarrassed and she she tries to run out but the scorpion accuses her of not trusting him Smooth which she denies her in a sense. Yeah. So it, this is basically like resembling her abusive relationship from life, mm-hmm. from her previous life. Mm-hmm. He straps her to his knife throwing wheel and then he throws a switchblade directly into her heart and killing her. So uh, Lucifer reads the last tale and this is where John finds Daniel in with Lucifer mm-hmm. um, and they're reading so he runs over and he's hugging his son only for his son. It wasn't actually his son. It was, um, a, it's called the fool. He's a dwarf carny. Right. Um, so he was kind of imitating the son, but John was distraught about that. And Lucifer obviously thought it was hilarious as shit. Um, <laughs> but Lucifer is like taunting John, revealing to him that he is in fact in hell because he couldn't let go of his grief. So John's crying. And this is like one of my favorite songs in the movie. I really liked 666. And I liked, I think it's called Tears John. Maybe I'm making up that name, but they said it a million times in the song. So I just went with the lyrics. Um, But so John's, you know, crying and eventually decides he doesn't want to grieve anymore. And then Lucifer decides to send him to hell or nope, that's not what happened. He's in hell. Lucifer decides to send him to heaven. That's a little more like it. Later, uh, Lucifer gathers all the carnies and he announces that he 
is planning to offer the condemned souls like redemption so they can get access to heaven. The ticket keepers inform the carnies that tomorrow they're going to have a war with God and his angels in order to put heaven out of business. Then, you know, one of the final songs before credits is them all of the carnies celebrating and the song's called Off to Hell We Go. So that is the movie that you saw. When the girl was on the wheel, <clears throat> one of the things that most upset me about the movie itself, she helps the scorpion get out of the cage. She's a pretty innocent enough looking and acting female. Even in her death, she's in a car trying to get away from her abusive boyfriend, as you mentioned earlier. I don't like the fact that they put her in hell, put her through hell, then stick her on this wheel and end up killing her when you don't ever see her really commit any sins. That's what I was saying at the beginning of my review. It was like, why, why did she go to hell? Like, what did she do wrong? Because at the end of the movie, and I struggled with this one, I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the movie, I, I was still trying to piece it all together. I'm like, I understand John. I understand the thief. Those two are obvious. Mm -hmm. I don't understand an attractive girl who was in an abusive relationship now being tricked by a guy who's now putting her through an abusive relationship again and then killing her. Like, that to me, I, I still can't piece that one together. I don't understand yeah. that one. Do you like Five Finger Death Punch? The band? Mm -hmm. They're okay. Ivan Moody, who is the lead vocalist of Five Finger Death Punch, mm -hmm. was the hobo clown. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that was the My movie. favorite character was Lucifer. Yeah. I love the makeup. You touched on it. I love the costumes. I love the look of all of the characters. Even just John as a detective looking. He wasn't meant to be a detective, yeah. but normal human like an old school looking yeah yeah uh do you want to hear about the post credit scene that you missed sure so the post credit scene tamara so maybe this might clarify her story for you a little bit i don't think it will but i'm just saying maybe tamara finds lucifer in the big top and she allows her to t uh, <laughs> in the post credit scene tamara finds lucifer in the big top and she allows her to seduce him, just like she did with her boyfriend in life, just like she did with the scorpion, essentially repeating the sin that brought her to hell. And then there's another song, and that title that is In All My Dreams I Drown. That was actually my fav my all-time favorite song in the whole movie. It was a duet between Tamara and Lucifer, and it was really good. You said she allows her to seduce him. So you mean Lucifer seduced her? Yeah. Did I... Fuck that up. You did, but that's okay. No. Yeah. <clears throat> Got I'm piecing just. it together. <laughs> so that doesn't help clarify anything. I no, I it know just, it doesn't. It just further makes an innocent I know appearing person yeah. vulnerable, gullible, and ultimately paying for sins that I don't know what those sins actually are. Being a are. hopeless romantic, yeah. Yeah. But I really felt in my gut something was telling me. The first time I watched this, I was miserable, and I even texted Jess, who recommended it, and I'm like, girl, what what was this? And she's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. And I'm like, 
kind of, um, I think you're being a little bit generous, but okay. Um, but I, I went back and I didn't tell Jeremy until we recorded on the podcast. I went back and gave it a second watch because I felt in my gut that I didn't give it because I didn't understand it really the first time there was a lot going on and I needed to go back and rewatch it. And the second time I was more in the mood for the fun musical aspect of it, the silliness of it. Um, Because it, to me, doesn't feel like a horror movie. Again, like I said in The Guest, it didn't feel like a horror movie. It felt like an action. I'd watch The Guest if I want action. This I would watch if I was in the mood for a musical. Now, the singing is, like, not the greatest in most of them. Like, they don't really have good voices. But it's bearable to me. And the songs are, some of them are annoying. Some of them are catchy. There's one called uh, Prick Goes the Scorpion's Tail, and that one's, like, really catchy, and I just sometimes in my... <laughs> it goes off in my head still sometimes. I liked the um, money one. I don't remember exactly. The hobo clown? The penny? You yeah. You kept talking about penny? Yeah, that was the hobo clown that sang that. Okay, yeah, I liked that song. Yeah, so, I mean, the soundtrack was, like, a, a little bit of both, a little bit of shitty songs, some good songs. It was a mix of both, but actually in the end i really enjoyed it upon my second viewing the first time i shut it off so fast as soon as the credits roll i didn't even know there was a post-credit scene because i just was like okay we're done with this but it turned out not to be that bad if you're in the mood for a musical i like musicals obviously the perfection made my favorite movie list if you haven't listened to that episode yet give it a listen i really struggled with this one and i think it's because there was so much going on um, my mind was just everywhere, and I couldn't process each story as it was playing out. Um, you know, it was it was already a challenge to follow along with what was going on between all the singing and the various characters throughout the film that don't always make sense. End up being yeah, Relevant. ultimately like all together. Like sometimes they're just incorporated to that particular song and that's it yeah i think this movie would be more easily understood if there was more dialogue and less songs i understand it's a musical but there are good musicals that have a fair amount of dialogue and songs willy wonka that's a musical yeah oh shit funny you don't think of it as a musical because there's a lot of dialogue but yes it's a musical wow okay i mean i haven't seen that in forever but yeah, I mean, I knew there was, like, the Oompa Loompa song, but that was, like, it. <laughs> Throughout the whole movie, there's songs. Oh, okay. Because I've got a golden ticket. Or the mom singing when Charlie goes out into the world and she can't do anything more than oh. what she has for him. But anyway. Interesting. Yeah, really something you learn something new every day, guys. So our final movie was recommended. Well, wait a second. What was your... Oh. What was your rating for the movie? Okay. Because you've changed since I talked. I would give it a 3 out of 10. I'd give it um, a 6 out of 10. Okay. This wasn't my cup of tea, and I'll be completely honest with that. I really struggled with the movie. I'm not criticizing Jess for submitting it to us for, you know, to watch. I don't think it was a terrible movie. I'm I'm giving it a poor rating. Worse. But it, I really struggled to... And I wasn't interested. They didn't do a good job of even getting me to buy in in the first place. And the th- that's a lot of the problem. The that thing I had. is, 
not every movie is going to be for every person, and that's okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I hate your favorite movie. You know, you hate, well, I don't want to say you hate my favorite movie, but you're not a fan of my favorite movie. So it is what it is, you know? We're, and that's kind of why we're here doing the podcast is mm-hmm. I think if you listen to enough episodes, you'll kind of gather, you know, Jeremy's taste in movies, my taste in movies, and then you can use your own opinions on movies that you've seen and judge like, you know, okay, well, Kristen really liked this movie and I like a lot of her other recommendations, so maybe I'll give this a shot. Like, something like that. Or Well, and we're trying to expand our horizons and yeah, we want our absolutely. viewers to do that as well. And we want our viewers to help us expand our, sur- 100%. our horizons. So I want to see movies that I'm not going to like. I don't know if I'm going to like them until I watch them. Absolutely. Because even a movie that 99 people out of 100 like, I could be that one person that doesn't like it. And more often than not, I am that one person because I real I'm really picky you're, with my movies. You're a critic. Like I'm a, a tough very, cookie. <laughs> very difficult critic. I know. So this that's made this podcast hard for me because I don't want to just like come on here and trash every movie. That's why I felt like I was miserable after I watched The Devil's Carnival the first time. Yep. And I'm like, I literally looked at Jeremy and I'm like, how are we going to do this episode when I don't like like any of these movies and I can't do this. And but I felt something in my gut was telling me the more I thought about it. Like, I need to give this a second shot. Something that I completely glossed over. This movie is only 55 minutes long. Yeah. it's So it's not a short film, but it's not like a full-length feature film. 55 minutes long. And the second time, it was much more enjoyable for me. That 55 minutes felt like an eternity for me the first time. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Jess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize. I struggled hardcore with this one. And I would not go back and watch it again, even after listening. And I I love the breakdown you just gave because it was great. I can picture it as I watched it and listening to you tell it, but I still don't in my mind go, now I want to see it again and put all that together. Like, I, I wasn't feeling it. I remember it. So it wasn't awful enough that I just like totally you know, it. wiped it out yeah. of my mind. But I think they, we didn't touch on it either. And since we're going to have to start a new one anyway, we didn't touch on it either, but there was a lot of convention guests in this movie. Yeah, so I know Sean Patrick Flannery does conventions, and he played John, who was the main character. He was also in Saw. Mm -hmm. And then you have Alexa Penavega. I don't know. She played the Wick. I don't know if she does conventions, but I feel like she does. And then you have Bill Mosley. Oh, yeah. He's a common... He's a very nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So he is there as well. And then you've got Dayton Callie, who he was the ticket keeper. He does um, occasionally some of the bigger comic cons, like a San Diego Comic Con type thing. Or like a New York Comic Con type thing. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you'll necessarily see him at the smaller shows that we go to. But he does those bigger comic cons as well sometimes. Okay. Who was Bill Mosley in the movie? You know, upon my second watch, I still couldn't figure it out. He His character name is The Magician. Okay. But I can't figure out which one is The Magician after this. I think I kind of have an idea, but I'm still not positive. Gotcha. It was tough. I mean, he is The Magician, but it was still freaking tough. You know, oddly enough, we were just talking about him earlier today on our travels. We went to Monstars Toys. Which, if you haven't checked that store out yet, definitely give it a give it a look because Paul is great. Um, he's the owner of the store, 
But we were talking about Bill Mosley, who's going to be at... The NEPA Horror Fest, yeah. Horror Film Fest in yeah. Nixon City, PA. Yeah, they had Miko Hughes there last year, and a couple of years ago they had Clint Howard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but back to Monstars, it's M-O-N-S-T-A-R-Z. And then their website is amuktime.com. So it's A-M-O-K-T-I-M-E dot com. Or you can visit their retail location, which is located in Scranton, PA. And he's also a vendor at Monster Mania. So if you guys are listening and you attend Monster Mania, you probably know Paul as a familiar face without even realizing it. Absolutely. He's right on the corner across from the guy with the big posters. Right? Yes, Cherry Hill. Yes. Right on the corner. um, I think. Freight Rags is on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm. There's Paul, and right across from Paul is the big poster guy before the doors to get into the um, Riverside Pavilion. Yeah, and then at Hunt Valley, he's on the lower level, Hi. and then as soon as you walk past like the VIP ticket booth, he's going to be on your left-hand side. I don't think he's the first vendor, but like on the left-hand side, one of the first yeah. two or three vendors. Yeah, he's got a huge setup there. Yeah, for sure. So definitely check out his stuff either via the website, his retail location, or go visit him at a future con and tell him Kristen and Jeremy from the Horror Con Lounge sent you. Absolutely. And if if you don't tell him that we sent you, just say hi for us, please. Our third and final movie recommendation that came in is Till Death, starring Megan Fox. This was released in 2021 and is currently available for streaming on Netflix. It has a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one came in to us from Diane Marcico. That's my mama. Yeah. So do you want to describe it or would you like me to give a plot summary? Well, I'd like to first tell our listeners that I'm curious to see what Kristen and I are going to say about this because most of our movies we watch together. However, this one we didn't have the time, so we had to watch it separate. So neither of us really know what each other felt or thought, other than I know Kristen said that this reminded her of a movie that she had watched. Gerald's Game. Yeah. Like, it's got a lot of similar aspects, but some different aspects as well. So I watched this movie, and I messaged Kristen. (laughs) I know. And my message to her was, get through the first 15 to 20 minutes. That's not the first message you sent me. The first message you sent me was, this feels like I'm watching a fucking romance movie. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I didn't watch it yet. Blame my mom. You're right. That was within the first 15 to 20 minutes. Yep. Then, go ahead. (laughs) Once you get past that, it's nothing but straight up action and thriller, suspense, holy shit. Yeah. But you got to get through that first... 15 to 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So the main character is played by Megan Fox and her name is Emma. Emma is married to a gentleman named Mark. And it also shows you that Emma is also having an affair with this guy named Tom. Mm -hmm. She ends the affair and then she goes out for her anniversary. It's her anniversary with Mark. They go to a lake house in the middle of the woods. So my first question is like, who goes to a lake house in the dead of winter? Yeah, well, she knows... My guess is one of them owns the lake house because she recognizes the scenery on the way. He initially has her blindfolded. 
And she's going crazy with this blindfold. And then on. She, she, I know she does say like, "Oh, like we're going to the lake house." Oh, like, we're heading to the lake house. Yes. But so, I, I'm saying, regardless if you own it or not, who the fuck goes to a lake house in the middle of winter? Yeah. That's weird. Understood. Anyways. And she and she did comment. It looks much different in the winter time. So she is gifted a steel necklace by Mark because he makes a comment about, you know, the certain year anniversaries you're supposed to give different types of gifts, like a certain number is gold, a certain number is silver. So he gives her a steel necklace. They make love, and then the next morning, they wake up, and Emma finds herself handcuffed to Mark, who randomly shoots himself in the head. Mm -hmm. And this is about the point where it gets kind of crazy. This is where the plot thickens big time. Yeah, it's, I feel like, you obviously know the plot of the movie going into it, like, till death, like, so obvious, you know, a little bit of the plot, but, like, I didn't know he was just gonna freaking shoot himself. No, never in a million years did you see that coming. And what I think caught me off guard was... It was graphic. Very graphic. I that loved was, it. That I loved was, the blood. That was one thing that caught me off guard. Ooh, the other thing brains. that caught me off guard... <laughs> Just kidding. She's, she's handcuffed to Mark, so she kind of has to maneuver around the entire house with him the entire time. And she's a Trying very... Trying to figure out how to escape. She's a very tiny girl, so she's struggling because he's he's not like fat or anything, but he's... Probably a 220, 230-pound guy that she has to lug around. Yeah, so the thing is, you might, in theory, think it's easy. Like, okay, you just have to get to a phone or get to your car or, you know, oh, go go to the kitchen and get a, some, you know, cut off his thumb with a knife. No, he literally got rid of her cell phone. Mm-hmm. He got rid of all the sharp objects in the house, and he even siphoned the gas out of her car or yeah. their car, whatever. Yeah. So real quick, I just want to finish the thought I was started there. Oh, I thought that is what you were getting at, but go ahead. No, that's good Good additions <laughs> because I would have left that out. We know that she's having an affair at the beginning. However, as she tumbles down the steps and he's coming with her because she can't support his weight, she calls him a hypocrite and says, you know how many times I wipe lipstick and glitter off of your t-shirts, you fucking hypocrite? Leading us to believe that he was also having an affair on her, but it was okay for him to do so. However, he wanted to make her feel guilty about doing it. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that or not, but I definitely did. I, I didn't catch it at the time, but I do I do remember hearing her say that, but it just didn't, like, really, you know, stick in my mind. So the person that she's having an affair with Is comes... one of Mark's co-workers. Yeah, so... Tom comes to the lake house, and it turns out it was a setup by Mark. And then minutes later, a strange truck pulls up with, you find out it's two brothers inside. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them ends up stabbing Tom to death. I mean, they pull up and they basically say, like, oh, we're here to check the pipes, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Tom doesn't let them inside. And then it's revealed Bobby was a stalker who once attacked Emma. And then he just got released from prison after serving 10 years because of her. Mm-hmm. And then you learn, like, this was set up by Mark because Mark was, like, he's, like, works for a legal team, whether it's prosecutor or defense, whatever. Um, I'm not very good with legal terms. But so that's kind of how they met each other. And Emma manages to evade both of these men and makes it to the boat shed. Mm-hmm. And she essentially uses this boat anchor to bash kind of like Mark's, not his whole hand, but like his thumb off Mm -hmm. enough to get the handcuff off of him. 
she's out there in very little clothing and no shoes, which is definitely something of importance to note. Even the brothers note it because she she can't even run away if she wanted to right now. Like, she'll die of frostbite. Yeah, so she eventually frees herself and then she hides literally just as one of the men enters the shed. She overhears them revealing that her husband hired them to kill her and that they have to find these diamonds that they were promised who they think the diamonds are in the bedroom safe which requires mark's fingerprint and a code that emma would know yes so it's a whole cat and mouse game do you want to talk about the chase at all i mean it's a lot of just back and forth of them yeah no it's just like a, a hide of... hide and seek cat and mouse i think one of the things that was interesting was emma tries to use the phone it doesn't work she tries to use the car (laughs) the gas was all siphoned out of it she does find gasoline in the boathouse and she drags the gasoline container all the way to the garage where there's a spare vehicle of some sort so at some point she gets gas into that vehicle but she's unable to get into it because one of the guys comes out or she has to leave the garage something happens She ends up in a situation where she is in the basement. She's in the basement, but, like, the stairs that lead between the basement and the first floor of the house. One of the brothers is at the door, and one of the brothers is coming up the stairs. And being the quick thinker that she was, she actually uses the car keys to trigger the panic alarm in the vehicle. And they both go running to the garage trying to figure out what just happened. Yeah, because they think that she's at the car trying to escape right so eventually emma sneaks up and she gets tom's cell phone who he was obviously murdered earlier on at that point yeah yeah and then she manages to dial 911 on his phone prior to being knocked unconscious by one of the other two men she later wakes up in the bedroom uh once again cuffed to mark's body and then Bobby, one of the men, tells Emma the safe's code is the date Mark proposed to her. So she's absolutely refusing to give this code. And then he threatens to torture her. And Emma agrees to finally reveal the code if she is set free first. We missed something that I think we should touch on. At the beginning of... The plot where they're at the lake house, Mark kills himself with a handgun. There's only one bullet in the gun because she finds the gun. She tries to shoot the handcuffs to break them apart and there's no bullets left in it. She throws the gun under the bed. When the brothers have Emma in this situation where she's handcuffed to Mark again, asking her for the code, one brother is a total dick. The other brother is definitely sentimental and has feelings. He finds that gun. Jimmy is the sentimental one and Bobby is the dick. Yeah. And Bobby is the stalker. Well, Jimmy finds that gun and actually threatens to kill Bobby if he doesn't take his hands off of Emma. They don't know that the gun is unloaded. So, of course, Bobby freaks out at this point like, wow, what what are you doing? Jimmy frees her. With, he puts the gun in his the back of his pants. He frees her. Bobby gets the gun from Jimmy. And 
acts as if he's going to shoot Emma before Jimmy jumps on the back of him. And in an effort to get Jimmy off, he actually kills his brother by mistake. So, yeah, Emma is uncuffed, and then she finally tells them the code, and Bobby opens the safe, and inside there are no diamonds. He only finds... To me, like, at first it looked like a butcher knife, but I was reading that it might be a hacksaw. So what did you think that was in the safe? I thought it was a butcher knife. I think it is a butcher knife. I think the people online are just silly. But whatever. Sharp instrument. Mm -hmm. And it has a clue on it that implies that the diamonds are inside Emma's necklace. Which, turns out her necklace is absolutely impossible to remove. It has no latch. It can't be cut off. It is impossible. So they realize that the necklace... And the diamonds inside can only be retrieved by decapitating Emma. So Jimmy tries, like, wrestling away this saw. And that's when, you know, he's accidentally impaled on the coat hook. And he dies. So Bobby attacks Emma, stabbing her in the leg. And then she manages to fight him off and then it turns out she was able to cuff bobby to mark <laughs> that was a funny little twist that they yeah. added to the movie i love yes. that so emma it you know she's trying to get away again and emma they're out on the frozen lake and she's fighting bobby on this lake she stabs bobby in the shoulder just as the ice just as the ice starts to give way uh mark his corpse falls into the lake where it started to crack and ultimately dragging Bobby in with him mm-hmm. because they're handcuffed together. Well, and he's dead weight. He's oh. just sinking like a rock. Yeah. And on the way in through this ice crack in the lake, Bobby manages to grab Emma and pull her in as well. Yep. So they're sinking naturally because like you just mentioned, he is dead weight. Mark is dead weight. So Mark is dragging Bobby down, but Emma manages to grab the knife out of Bobby's shoulder and stabs him in the eye. That was which, an awesome visual. By I was the just way. going to say that was a really <laughs> great visual too, because you see the blood in the water, like, yep. and it looks very nice. Well, and he I had to it. let go. It, mm-hmm. it was almost—I don't want to say far-fetched. That's not the right word, but it was a bit extreme that he was able to pull her in while being stabbed, like. I don't know what that's considered Yeah, right here. It's between the shoulder blade and your neck. Yeah, I just put like chest or something. Yeah, so he pulls her down while he still has this knife stuck in him. That's a bit much, but then when she pulls it out and sticks it in his eye, that was a hell of a visual, and he had to let go. Like, at that point, he was done. Yeah, so at this point, Emma is able to swim up to the surface, but you, she's not swimming up to the hole that they fell through, She's stuck. She's trapped under the ice. Or does the ice refreeze that fast? Like Yeah, that I don't know. I, I, I was don't wondering know the same thing. Like, I don't know if because on their way down, if they kind of, like, floated over and... I'm thinking it refroze because she's able to break through. Re- and if yeah. it was super thick ice, you wouldn't be able to break through no matter what. Well, they broke through the first time. They fell through, though. You wouldn't be able to break through from the water side, typically. Oh, okay. I don't think. So... You know, she breaks through, like Jeremy had mentioned, and she gets up on top of the ice. And as she's laying atop the ice, she, this is one of my favorite visuals in the movie, she removes her wedding ring and she just like kind of tosses it down, but it like perfectly rolls 
into the lake, into that hole that she just cracked out of. But just the way she removes it and, like, throws it, like, she doesn't do it on purpose, but it rolls so perfectly along the ice. And the way it's shot, it is such a nice visual for me. And then you hear sirens approaching in the background as she is just laying on the lake. My question is, like, why does she fight so hard to survive? Like, I don't have that much will to live. I think you're an oddity in that. <laughs> no, just... no, serious. When people are in life and death situations, I think they're going to do anything no, to I live. I freaking can't. I don't know. I mean, I would. Damn. I don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> That makes one of those. <laughs> so, <laughs> my poor mom listens to this podcast. I'm just kidding. If I'm fighting for <laughs> she my... She recommended this movie If too. I'm fighting for my life, I'm not going to just give up. I'm going to yeah. do anything possible to continue living. Well, I can't swim, so I definitely would have died. So, um, they yeah. were They were underwater for a long time. That an was a little... Unrealistically long time. Yeah, that one was a little... First of all, it's freezing cold water. Second of all, you're under there for... It had to be a minute and a half to two minutes... Yeah. Where he's pulling her deeper and deeper and deeper before she finally stabbed him in the eye. And then she had to get back up. I don't know. That was, I mean, you can hold your breath for a long time. I don't know that that would have yeah. worked. But um, This movie was filmed in Bulgaria. And okay. the snow is actually fake. And it was all made from paper. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it looked really real. It looked real. Yeah. In fact, the whole set takes place inside of a studio. Okay. But they you, did a they did a great job of making her look cold. Then. You mentioned earlier about the importance of her not wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. Did you want to touch on that at all again? Because at one point she takes that wedding dress. Yeah, one she did a great job with that wedding dress. She used it as a way to transport her dead husband around the house a little bit easier because she wasn't going to be able to just drag him around everywhere she needed to go. But then she also used the dress to make like homemade shoes. I thought that was really clever. I did too. Yep. What would you rate this movie? Or do you have any more thoughts before we close out? I love this movie. I thought it was great. The suspense was spot on. The It probably wasn't horror, but man, there were some gruesome kill scenes. There was gore, but not over-the-top gore. I thought they did a great job with the blood that they utilized. It looked real. Uh, I loved the brothers that came to the house. I loved the storyline of incorporating them. They weren't just random people there killing and trying to steal. Yes, I agree. I think they gave... There's not a lot of characters in this movie. I think the cast was only like nine, ten people maybe. Yeah, not a lot at all. And what they did have was perfect. They established enough of a character role for them in the movie that made sense. You didn't have to question anything. Right. My my rating of it would have been an 8.5 out of 10. Okay, I'd probably give this a 7 out of 10. So overall, um, I, I enjoyed doing the listener recommendation episode. Um, I'm just disappointed. I feel like a lot of them weren't like horror horror. Yeah, I don't feel like we got a single horror movie. We got mostly I mean, thrillers, which we love. So it's oh, not a me, bad thing. me too. I personally really love thrillers. I just don't want... I said we love. I no no. I, it's okay. Relax. <laughs> I'm just saying I love thrill, but like I don't want people to be like this is a horror podcast. Why are we talking about thrillers all the time? I love thrillers, and like it or not, they are a subgenre of horror. Absolutely. So, a horror like I've mentioned this time and time again, horror is just one big umbrella. At the top, you have horror, and then underneath it, you've got 
vampire movies, you've got zombie, supernatural, thriller, you know, you've got suspense, Mm sci-fi, body horror, fantasy, found footage, anything, you know, you've got a lot of options when it comes to horror. And I truly believe there's something for everybody. So give these a shot. I mean, I genuinely enjoyed all three. The first one, The Guest, was okay. Definitely a good action movie if you're looking for something with a lot of action and suspense. Mm -hmm. The Devil's Carnival was fun at first. It was like really trippy and weird, but I enjoyed it upon my second watch, absolutely. It would probably be even more fun on acid. I I would definitely have to agree. I've got (laughs) no idea what it's like to be on acid, but I could imagine that would probably be real fun. Yeah. So, and then Till Death was really good, a really good thriller suspense. I'm glad that we saved Till Death for last. My only, like, thing is I loved the movie Gerald's Game, as you heard in the Stephen King episode. So, that just made it a little tougher for me to love this one because I was already so in love with Gerald's Game, which has a very similar plot. Mm -hmm. But it, overall, they all were good movies. I loved, I haven't seen Megan Fox in anything lately that I've enjoyed. She's a terrible actress. I know she's in like Transformers, but that hasn't even had anything new in a while. Yeah. I thought she did a great job as the lead role. Yeah, I just was not impressed. It was just, yeah, just not bad, but it was just okay. There were times where it was like, just. And then I thought the lead villain was fantastic too. The stalker who just got out of jail. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I had really a lot of fun with this episode. Absolutely. I would do it again. I would hope that we don't have the musical next time, but all fan recommendations are encouraged. Someone suggest Repo, the Genetic Opera, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Alleluia. We're doing an all-musical episode, baby. No. I refuse. (laughs) Uh, Okay, you could tell who was a theater kid growing up and who wasn't. I like some musicals. I had a musical make my favorite list, as I mentioned. Willy Wonka, I mentioned earlier in this one, is a musical. Which in and itself is kind of a horror movie. Absolutely. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, it's scary. People won't think of it that way, but once they get inside the factory, there is some creepy shit that happens in there. Let me tell you. I know. That boat ride, the Oompa Loompas just in general. Yeah. (laughs) Orange people. Yeah. We are going to play a little game. Oh, we are? We are. Jeremy has no idea about it, so we'll see. This isn't like a Saw game, is it? Your favorite franchise is Saw. I don't have to, like, fight for my life here, do I? No. Okay, good. Very good. Um, In this, if you listen to the audio episode, you would have heard us talk about three movies, which are Till Death, The Guest, and... Devil's Playground? The the Devil's Carnival. Devil's Carnival, there you go. Okay. So we are recording this part first, but it will premiere at the end of the episode, just because I don't want to spoil... The answers for you. Okay. So I wrote down a bunch of reviews. Okay. And I want you to guess which of the three movies that review is about. Okay. It's like Saw, but dumb Saw. But Saw is already dumb. So like, really, really, really dumb. Till Death. Till Death, yep. I was trying to think of the name. I'm like... (laughs) This movie is 100% my shit. It absolutely ate. No crumbs. My advice is go into this completely blind and get ready for one hell of a ride. This is a true cult classic in the making. The guest. You're supposed to get these all wrong. Okay. (laughs) No confidence in me, apparently. (laughs) 
poster child of the shit I choose to put on at 1 a.m. despite having a massive backlog of quality movies. Devil's Carnival. He's going to get some wrong. I know it. I'm sure I will. This was so bad. Worst thing I've seen in a long time. At times, I just wanted to strangle the filmmaker and shout, what were you thinking? The Devil's Carnival. No, that was the guest. Oh, okay. Incredible, incredible, incredible. One hour and 30 minutes and I was shaking the entire time. Incredible. Till death. Yes. At least you knew it wasn't the Devil's Carnival. <laughs> I'm four out of five. That's pretty damn good. Oh, are you keeping track? Yeah, I am. Good, okay. 80%, she, baby. She didn't even do anything wrong. That's the entire review. She didn't even do anything wrong. Till death. No, this one's the Devil's Carnival. I'll explain to you in the episode. Because I, I understand what that means now. Okay. Acting, 0 out of 10. Plot, 0 out of 10. Entertainment, 8 out of 10. So terrible, it's funny. The guest. Yes. How are you? How did you not guess The Devil's Carnival for that? Um, because I also saw some reviews for that movie. You cheated? What the hell? I didn't know you were doing this. I don't remember that review, but the most common complaint about that movie was the acting. Okay. It's giving History Channel original movie. The guest. The Devil's Carnival. I didn't go be on the History Channel. Is it just me, or is this as quotable as Mean Girls? The guest. Yes. I don't even know if this movie knows what it is supposed to be. The Devil's Carnival. Yes. I don't know what the movie's supposed to be. <laughs> Most fun I've had viewing a film in ages. Soundtrack, 10 out of 10. Uh, the Guest. Yes. How? How are you getting these all fucking Because right? they had good music. Oh my god. She even burned him a CD. You're a jerk. Pay attention to the movies. <laughs> this movie was nuts, and I liked it. Oh boy, till get till death. Till death. Movie was nuts. This movie never fails to make me feel a million emotions. The Devil's Carnival. <laughs> yes. Truthfully, I remember nothing about this movie. All I know is I was really bored watching it. The Devil's Carnival. The Guest. <laughs> Jesus. There is not a single scene in this film that should logically exist. The Devil's Carnival. Till death. <laughs> this is the part of the episode I was waiting for. Okay. Okay, this one's a long one. Are you ready? No. You know, for as little regard for this syphilitic pustule as i have i almost admire it just the tiniest bit because before i saw this thing it's not a film not a movie not even moving picture that's too generous i had never been offended legitimately offended by how awful something was and i really mean that this isn't an exaggeration for the sake of a com comedically sound review this movie really pissed me off the devil's carnival the devil's carnival <laughs> <laughs> Had a goofy little review planned for this ridiculously weird and unsettlingly bad film. 
but then I read this abhorrently entry, excuse me, abhorrent entry on IMDb trivia. Obviously, there is no guarantee that this is true, but holy shit, this is disgusting, and enforce the idea that this is some incel fantasy movie. The guest. Yes. And it was a really long, like, trivia fact about um, the main character. Um, Everybody, from the reviews I saw, if they weren't, like, 10 out of 10, this is the greatest movie ever made, it was the main character was a good actor and everybody else sucked. Yeah. Like, that was the common theme, and I was kind of surprised by that. This one's one of my favorites. Hey, it's the guy who got his pecs torn off. Till death. Nope. This is the Devil's Carnival, because John in the Devil's Carnival was in Saw, and in Saw, he had to put the hooks. I don't think you watched a Saw that far. I saw up to five, but I don't remember. I don't remember which Saw that was. I don't remember four and five. I remember one, two, and three very well. Forever vouching for this movie. If you don't like it, choke. The guest. Yes? Did you read that one? No. Oh, you seemed so confident. Okay. (laughs) I have no idea why I expected more from this film, but like a fool, I did and was rightfully disappointed. This movie is a big cup of nope. (laughs) I want to say the guest, but I'm going to guess till death. The Devil's Carnival. Third time's a charm. Okay. (laughs) Really enjoyed the coloring this go-around. I've always enjoyed the neon-saturated vibrancy, but something this time around really made everything pop. Or maybe I finally have my TV properly calibrated. The Devil's Carnival. The guest. Um, there's like maybe two parts. They'll, whatever. I, I don't know who made these reviews. Probably normies. Where did we recently hear that term? Where did I hear that term? Uh, Wednesday. Oh. Normies. I am simply a hole for Dan. <laughs> I am simply a hole for Dan <clears throat> Stevens. What the fuck does that even mean? Dan Stevens is the name of one of the actors in one of the movies. So it must have sucked. Let's say The Devil's Carnival. The guest. The guest is uh, the main character. His real name oh, is Dan Stevens. I don't know his name. He was good. But... That's why I have to film this before we talk about the movies. Understood. The only good thing about this film is the soundtrack. Everything else is garbage. Horrible script. Terrible acting. Nonsensical, idiotic plot. And cinematography. Bland cinematography. Laughable action sequences. The guest. Yeah. I thought the soundtrack ones would trip you up with uh, The Devil's Carnival. And I thought the soundtrack for The Guest was a strength of the movie. Don't watch. Horrible plot. Dragged on. Poor acting. Predictable. The guest. Till death. Remember when you were a little kid coloring for the first time and you didn't understand the fundamentals of what you were doing yet? Nope. So you started mixing all the colors together and wound up with brown? That's what this is. Nope. The Devil's Carnival. Yes. Show-stopping. Amazing. <laughs> inspiring. Perfect. Sexy. Till death. The Devil's Carnival. If you're on acid, maybe. I would rather watch paint dry. The Devil's Carnival. (laughs) Till death. Jesus. Horrible. I've watched this movie four times now. (laughs) Uh, And got horrible. I'll say The Guest. 
The Devil's Carnival. Oh, yeah, I couldn't watch that four times. The worst acting, writing, and ending I've seen in a long time. Till death. The guest. It was one of those two. Oh, this was a stupid one I passed at the beginning. Okay. I could fix her. Well, I could make her worse. I think theft and greed is funny and a part of her. I could make her my wife. The Devil's Carnival. Yes. Were those lyrics to one of the songs? I don't know, but it feels like something that that guy would have sang while he was throwing knives at her on the spinning wheel. Oh, it's actually um, about Miss Mayweather. She was a thief in the movie. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. I, I gotta think that I did at least 70% or better. You did a lot better than I was expecting. I tried to pick ones that would trip you up. She but... doesn't give me any credit. I pay attention to the movies. I don't. <laughs> This is your favorite part of the podcast right here, isn't it? <laughs> the end? <laughs> no, this is the part where you get to brag about all of the... So Kristen has done a lot of wonderful things for this podcast. She is, like, the brains of this operation. I can talk. I can socialize with people. I can offer what I think are pretty good ideas. But Kristen is just brilliant at making everything happen from the social media aspect and recording and editing and, you know, getting us everywhere that we needed to be, which I don't even know where are all the places that we're at at this point. You can listen to us on most streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Anchor, and more. You can join us on Facebook at the Horror Con Lounge Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Letterboxd at HorrorCon Lounge. You can email us your suggestions or just for any reason to tell us what you liked or disliked about the episode. Tell us that our opinions sucked. <laughs> tell us you agree with us. Absolutely. Um, just email us to say hi, whatever you want. Our email is horrorconlounge at gmail.com. And you can visit our website at linktree.com slash horrorconlounge. That's L-I-N-K-T-R-E-E dot com slash horrorconlounge. And don't forget to join us next Monday to join our discussion about the Adams Family and the new Wednesday TV series. Mm -hmm.